The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Happy to have you once again this week. I am the namesake. We'll take a look at some news and notes. We'll take a look at last week's poll. Plus, you'll hear from more of the coaches in our preseason preview on Facebook as we continue to get you set for the 2020 season. Plus, I've got some issues that have been on my mind that I've been wanting to sound off on for a little while. It's not quite a steam release, but it may be one of those features that becomes a recurring feature on the show depending on how this season goes. Let's take a look at some news and notes first. It seems as though Saturday night is going to be a big night for high school football fans across the state. At 9 o'clock Saturday, the DHHR COVID numbers come out and the maps come out, which determine who can play, who can't play. And a lot of the high school football community in the Mountain State this week was refresh, refresh, refresh. Checking those maps, checking those numbers to make sure that they either delivered the news that they'd hoped for or delivered the news that they'd feared for. The maps have declared that several counties cannot hold games. A number of games were called off because of the results of the testing and the latest numbers from the state health officials, including St. Mary's and Sissonville. That game will not happen. More on St. Mary's schedule in just a bit. The big one is that Kanawha County is not able to hold Week 1 games because of those numbers, and that is the county that might serve as the breaking point. There were a lot of counties that have not been able to practice or play for the last several weeks, but Kanawha County not being able to play, that might be a tipping point in the coronavirus battle. Many players, coaches, parents are up in arms. A Let Them Play rally was held Monday at the state capitol to coincide with Governor Jim Justice's daily coronavirus briefing. During that briefing, Justice announced that counties that were in the orange, their players, band members, cheerleaders, and anybody associated with those athletic programs could participate if everyone tested and the tests came back clean. If one person tested negative, that would quarantine that entire team. As a result, coaches of Kanawha County Schools said that Thanks, but no thanks, because if you get that positive test and you quarantine yourself, you could lose up to two to three weeks of your season, as opposed to losing one week of the season because your county is in the orange. So they elected to go ahead and ride things out and hope for the best. It made for an interesting tit-a-tat going on all day Monday. And I get it. There are a lot of people that are frustrated. This is going to be a long season because of things like this, because of that angst over whether or not you can play, that angst over the fact that in most cases the kids have done everything that they've been asked to do the parents have done everything that they've been asked to do but they still can't play because of the number of cases in their county Governor Justice has shown some pliability when it comes to coronavirus and when it comes to how it impacts students and extracurricular activities, as we saw last week with the marching band. He has the potential to be swayed, so we'll see what happens out of this Let Them Play rally. But this is going to be every Saturday night, and that's going to make this seem even more tedious and even more exhausting. Just that constant angst at that time every Saturday night. Who can play? Who can't play? Is your school impacted? I'm somebody, and I'm talking to a crowd of people that enjoys high school football, and I do too. I enjoy high school football. I wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't do games if I didn't. But there are times, even during the season, where I just got to get away from it. And Saturday night, usually I'm as far away mentally as I can be from that. You want to talk about high school football? Talk to me Monday morning about it. I'm not usually at a place where I want to talk about it on Saturday night because I'm usually spending time with family. I'm watching something else. I'm doing something else. I'm with my friends. I'm, I'm doing something that's not related to high school football 
school or work. For many of you, this is a hobby. It's a hobby for me, but it's also my job. So I need to unplug and get away from that as well. But that's what's going to make this season a grind for coaches, for players, for media members, that every Saturday night there's that thing to look for. We'll see what happens out of this let them play rally and whether or not it has any impact on policy change. But it did impact the schedule for at least one local team. St. Mary's will now play Alexander in their season opener. For those of you who aren't familiar with where Alexander is, and there are a lot of you who were not. I had multiple people ask me, who is Alexander? It's a school in Athens County on the other side of Athens. It's off of the Route 32 side. Alexander will come to St. Mary's only 62 miles and an hour 20 minutes drive from St. Mary's, but that is a game that will replace the St. Mary's Sissonville game that was scheduled. So the Blue Devils will have a week one opponent and they'll host, and it'll be Alexander. They were originally scheduled to play August 28th. I forget who they were supposed to host August 28th in the first draft of the schedule, if I'm being completely honest. And then this is the third different opponent on that September 4th date, with Wheeling Central having been rumored at one point. It was originally Belpre on the schedule. Then that changed to Sissonville with a stopover at maybe it's going to be Wheeling Central. And then now finally Alexander, the Spartans, looked to be the opponent for St. Mary's on September 4th. So those are the only schedule updates that we have so far that impact the area. And again, this is just going to be a big Saturday night piece, looking to see how the schedule changes and how it affects your school. A number of teams in West Virginia scrimmaged. The teams that were allowed to do that could find a scrimmage partner did over the weekend. I know St. Mary's scrimmaged Roan County. I believe Ritchie County went to Buffalo and scrimmaged there. Parkersburg and Bridgeport, I believe, scrimmaged. Parkersburg South and was Hurricane. They met in a scrimmage, and you don't often see teams scrimmage teams that they uh, will play during the season because Parkersburg South and Bridgeport used to scrimmage a lot, and now Bridgeport is on South schedule. But it wouldn't surprise me if you have these two teams that are able to work it out and have enough of a relationship to scrimmage. They find themselves needing an opponent. That's a phone call you're willing to make. It wouldn't surprise me, and someone will do this, someone and probably someone in the Eastern Panhandle because of the fact that Maryland and Virginia are not playing, so their out-of-state options are extremely limited. Someone will schedule an opponent twice this year. That is going to be a thing that happens. Someone will eventually be the first to do that. I believe it's already happened, uh, but I don't think those games are still on the boards right now because of other postponements and, and things but who knows, the schedule is an amoeba at this point ever-changing, ever-evolving. But either way, that is going to be a thing that starts to happen sooner or later, I predict, because of who can play, who can't play, and when will we know. But either way, scrimmages happened well out, and an Ohio games were played last week. Frontier picked up a win over Southern. Belpre blown out by Shenandoah. And Warren got past Marietta. That was a debut for new Belpre head coach Lance Binniger. Didn't go well for him. For Marietta, they were hoping for better things, but second-year head coach Matt Kimes got the win for the Warren Warriors. And then Saturday afternoon, River faced Bel Air. River got down early and never climbed out of the hole. They fell 28-14 to in a game where, based on multiple accounts of that I was seeing on social media, head coach Mike Flannery was not a happy camper about the way his pilots were playing. They expect the big things this year, and they've only got a six-game regular season. They're already in the playoffs. They're going to opt in. But those six games count because they help impact seeding. That'll be determined, I believe, after the second or third week of the season. They'll put teams in brackets based on coaches' votes. So anything you can do to improve your position in the eyes of everyone else, that's going to be a big-ticket item this year. In West Virginia, the first Metro News 
power rankings of the year were released this week. The preseason rankings in high school football in Class AAA, Martinsburg a unanimous number one, followed by Campbell Midland, Spring Valley, Musselman, Bridgeport, South Charleston, Capital, Parkersburg South, Wheeling Park, and George Washington. Some thoughts here. Bridgeport, of course, a AAA school once again. They had been AA for a long time, now back up to the ranks of AAA. A lot of people are high on South Charleston because of the fact they had so much youth last year. They ranked very high in the MSAC rankings for this year, despite the fact they finished just 4-6 and six last year. And a lot of schools in the Kanawha County area coming up in this top 10 this week with South Charleston, Capital, and GW represented. And those are schools that will not be able to play this week because of the COVID numbers there. In Class AA, Fairmont Senior, Bluefield, Polka, Oak Glen, Mango Central, Kaiser, Shady Spring, Frankfurt, Point Pleasant, and North Marion are the top 10 with a bevy of schools receiving at least one vote. Maybe a wide open field in AA or at least as wide open as we've seen in some time. And in Class A, Wheeling Central got 14 of the 15 votes to be number one in Class A. And I'm not sure if someone meant to vote for Greenbrier West as number one, but Greenbrier West got a first place vote. They come in in fourth. It's Wheeling Central, Williamstown, Doddridge County, Greenbrier West, St. Mary. Pendleton County, Tulsa, Ritchie County, Midland Trail, and East Hardy. Wheeling Central, the defending Class A state champion. Williams Sound returns four of their five offensive linemen, as we've said, and a quarterback in Braden Modisett. Doddridge County lost Hunter America to graduation, but they built a nice core around him last year toward the end of the season, so it'll be interesting to see if the Bulldogs keep that rolling. St. Mary's, a team that expects to be good, and they got Trey Moss to transfer. At five, they come in maybe a little underrated. They got Trey Moss to transfer from Ritchie County, who comes in at number 8, and because of the fact that Trey Moss isn't there, I don't know if the voters didn't see that or they thought that maybe Ritchie County would be fine otherwise. I think 8 is a little high for Ritchie County. I think they're going to be a good team this year, but maybe 8 in a preseason poll, a little bit high before they see how that running game is going to be. Midland Trail thinks this is going to be one of their best teams in school history, so they're very excited about that. Lots of other schools split votes in the uh, bottom parts of this, by the way. Man didn't miss out by a whole lot just outside that top 10. I know Moorfield's expecting good things after a 6-5 and five season last year, so they're outside the top 10 as well. That's the power rankings, and I think in any class, regardless of class, this is going to be a tough year to vote in the power rankings because there are some teams that we may not see from one week to the next or in a few different weeks or for a few weeks. It's hard to tell with COVID shutting down some teams for a little while and how teams that are good teams would respond after a two- to three-week shutdown if that's what it takes or if they lose games uh, because of other teams having to shut down. We may see some teams that only have have four or five games on our schedule. We may see some teams that play one or two games. We may see some teams that play all ten. It's hard to tell. It's going to be really tough to rank teams that haven't played a lot based on what we think they have versus teams that have played a lot and have shown us what they have. So not an easy year, and those are going to not be maybe as indicative of how good those teams are as otherwise. But again, these are all voter-based polls, and everyone is trying their best to try to figure out who's going to do what this season. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. We asked you, will the high school football season or even fall sports be played to completion this season? Will the high school football season or any fall sports season be played to completion this year? Again, the widget that allows us to do polls, the the one-click polls, that is not working, so I asked people to vote through a yes or no and comment if they wished. Bob Croc said, holding out all hopes, but I doubt it. Christina Ball said, no, unfortunately. Joy Vaughn said, yes. Those are the three votes that we got. I think it just 
just depends on how optimistic you feel at any given time as to whether or not that happens. So again, two people say no, one's yes, and I think it depends on where you are and how safely we can conduct this. I think people will have different opinions on this, and I'm not saying different one way or different another way, maybe three or four weeks into the season based on how we're able to conduct it, how safely it's being done, and whether or not we're seeing the numbers go up or down in these communities because we're only now starting to see some of the benefits of mask wearing. And that was a push that really didn't happen in a lot of circles until the end of July, early August. That's when people really in mass started to go all in with mask wearing and after the 4th of July. So we're starting to see the fruits of that. So will people continue to wear masks and cover their faces and be socially distant and avoid crowds when possible? And will those things continue? If we get a few weeks in and we can play football safely and we are playing football safely and the numbers continue to come down, then optimism will rise. But things could be completely different in a couple weeks. They can be different in a couple days. It's hard to tell. There were some high school football games in Ohio over the weekend, and there were some games on ESPN over the weekend, and that is what had me puzzled. We are struggling in this state and in this region for teams of close proximity to play one another. The home fields for Marietta High School and for Williamstown High School are separated by less than three miles, and the rules are vastly different in the season format is vastly different for those two schools. There are schools in West Virginia that are only a few miles apart, but as of right now, one school might be able to play on Friday, one school might not be able to play because the COVID numbers are different by the county line that splits those two schools. And here you've got ESPN putting Texas and Tennessee together. Tennessee had T. Martin's son as their quarterback. Texas had Deion Sanders' son as their quarterback and Deion as the offensive coordinator. It seems to me that that's just not a wise thing to do this year, to have these two schools from vastly different parts of the country come together and bring all these people from one place to another during a pandemic. But ESPN put this game on. And to be fair, there were people in the stands that had face masks and people were socially distant. And I get it. Measures and protocols were followed. But it just doesn't seem like that was a wise move and a good optic when we're struggling with some of the other things here in West Virginia and in Ohio. This is a question that I could ask 10 different weeks and 10 weeks, it get different answers because, like I said, there will be different opinions on this. We'll know things. There'll be more optimism some weeks. There may be less optimism some weeks. But either way, that is one that is going to evolve as the season goes on. We'll have another poll question for you later in the program, so stick with us for that. 1455 Media is working with local schools to bring you the great high school football matchups that you want to watch. And the best part is, you can still support your favorite teams because a portion of their pay-per-view proceeds benefit the schools involved. Watch high school football from wherever you are. This week, Fort Fry takes on Warren. It's easy to watch. Just log on to F55Live.com or like F55Live on Facebook. Sign up, pay, and root on your favorite team. It's Fort Fry and Warren this week on 1455 Media. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Returning to the Countdown to Kickoff preseason preview special, you can hear these full interviews on our Light Rock 93R Facebook page. We had sound last week from coaches at Williamstown, Marietta, Parkersburg, Tyler Consolidated, Payton City, and River. And we continue this week by first taking a look at the Magnolia Blue Eagles. Hey, Coach Dave Chapman says their numbers are up. They were 17 at the end of last season. They're now in the low 30s, and the culture has changed at Magnolia High School. You know, I think you go through some tough times, and it was a tough time around here last year, not just so much with the numbers, but, you know, things were, I call them distractions. You know, moving forward now, don't look back, but those distractions are behind us. Let's just say that. I, 
you know, we had three or four boys leave the program that are back. You know, their effort and attitude is, is as good as you could ask for as a coach. You know, I spoke to them privately. Slate's clean. We're, you know, they're back on board. And kids are pulling for each other. It's just the, just the atmosphere. is just, I call it culture, just so much better. The way it should be here at Magnolia. I'll just leave it at that. But it's, it's a joy to come to work. And to see these kids, they can't wait to get out there and get to work. And that's you can't ask any more than that as a coach. That's Magnolia head coach Dave Chapman. At St. Mary's, head coach Jody Mote has Brendan Boron returning for his senior year, his third season as the starting quarterback of the Blue Devils. Mote says in three years, Boron has grown a lot as his quarterback. Anytime you start a sophomore at any position, especially at the quarterback position, it's going to be very challenging for that person and very challenging for your team. We knew we had to grow through that period and I uh, felt like he's done that felt like last year you know we were able to get back to the playoffs able to make it to the second round and over at Pendleton and he along with the team I uh, felt like they you know obviously if you don't win at all you're going to finish on a, on a not so good note so you know and that's kind of how how that went I've just seen his progression from his sophomore season and now to his senior season and He's the type of guy that would, it's a team thing, you know, and I've always told the guys this, uh, as long as I'm coaching, you know, it's not about any individual and it's not about any coach, it's about all of us working together. That's St. Mary's head coach Jody Mote. Looking at the Frontier Cougars, head coach Russ Morris is already 1-0, and one of his worries coming into the season was about the finishing touches on his team. He knew he had a good squad, but it was that last little bit that the Cougars needed to provide for him to believe they were where they needed to be. We are fortunate a lot of the guys know the offense and defense because they played last year. We have to clean some things up. Uh, and that's what we're talking about in practice. You know, we've had it, we've got everything in, but we've got to polish it. You get in them tight ball games, you can't afford mistakes. So we got to try to limit our mistakes. Just play good, hard-nosed football. And that's Frontier head coach Ross Morris. At Parkersburg South, gone is Brandon Penn. The House Award-winning quarterback leaves. He's at Glenville State College now and in steps Sam Schuler at quarterback. A different style of player, not the running threat, a strong arm, and a likable guy and someone who has the confidence of his teammates, says head coach Nathan Tanner. Sam Schuler, uh, he put in a lot of work last season at practice. Obviously, Brandon got all, all the reps where he was the starter and whatnot, but throughout the season, Sam got tons of reps reps in practice and we had him ready to go if Brandon did go down. Sam got several reps at the end of games last year. Uh, got to come in against Martinsburg. He threw two touchdown passes. So going into this season, it, it's been a, it's been a seamless transition from a teaching aspect. There wasn't a whole lot of teaching that needed to be done with Sam. Kind of repeating what we did last year, and you know now that he's a starter, he's getting more reps, and uh, he's just improving day by day. That's Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner. At Ritchie County head coach Rick Hot is looking for a few good men in the backfield after the loss of Trey Moss. St. Mary's earlier this year. A mid-August transfer leaves Hot looking for options in his backfield, but he's got a receiving core full of weapons for sophomore quarterback Ethan Hot. Gus Morrison had almost school record for most touchdowns last year, and that was missing a couple games. And so you have him coming back. we got Graydon McKinney, who I'm really high on. He's going to be very instrumental in our offense. I like Blaine Bowie as a split end. I mean, he's shared that position the last couple years, but is a sure hands receiver. He's going to be very important that. So, you know, we've got those three, and the wild card is the transformation that Dakota Wayne has made. Um, you know, he ended up playing tight end for us last year. Never was 100%, but guys, Coach Wright told me last night, he, he's my leading tackler returning. He is much stronger. He's much faster, running very well, and he's going to be a key 
to that passing attack. So, you know, we, I think we got four guys that we can go to, not counting uh, what back we may slip out of the backfield. Again, that's Ritchie County head coach Rick Hott. I want to thank all the coaches for their time this year and for making time for that series. Williamstown's Chris Beck, Marietta's Jason Show, Parkersburg's Mike Bias, Tonder Consolidated's Ryan Walton, Payton City's Zach Keasley, Rivers' Mike Flannery, Magnolia's Dave Chapman, St. Mary's Jody Moat, Frontier's Russ Morris, Parkersburg South's Nathan Tanner, and Ritchie County's Rick Hott. Again, you can find those full interviews on the Light Rock 93R Facebook page, our preseason preview series. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. We asked you, is West Virginia's system of metrics and color-coded maps a fair way to determine which counties can hold extracurricular activities and which ones can't? If no, what would you suggest as a better way? And again, the poll, is West Virginia's system of metrics and color-coded maps a fair way to determine which counties can hold extracurricular activities and which ones can't? If no, what would you suggest as a better way? There's no yes or no widget on that one, so to vote, you're going to have to actually say yes or no, and, and if you feel compelled to do so. Tell us why you feel as you do. Like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast over there. Before we wrap up today, I want to talk about some things that I've been meaning to talk about or wanted to talk about. I know sound off makes it sound like you're angry, makes it sound like you're disgruntled for whatever reason. These aren't things that have me disgruntled. These are things that I've seen and I'd like to opine on. Of course, that's why you have a podcast. First of all, coaches and administrators need to watch out what they post on their private social media accounts. There are a lot of times, especially this summer, and I know with coronavirus, virus, and I know with some of the racial issues in our country right now, and some of the cultural issues in our country right now, there are some things that I've seen posted from people that are leading young people that don't need to be on those social media accounts. And that, to be quite honest, a couple of those things I've seen shock me that they are on a coach's account. As a coach, you don't have to have the opinions that the world has, and you're certainly entitled to your own opinions. But you need to ask yourself first and foremost, does my opinion feel threatening to anybody that's under my care, under my control, under my jurisdiction, if you will? By posting what I'm posting, would I be making one of my players feel uncomfortable, or am I putting down one of my players through a post about a societal issue? Meaning, if you're a white male and you're posting about racial issues, how would a young black man look at that issue? Would a young black man feel the way you do about that? Where is that gap? And does your post threaten the pride, the safety, or the well-being of that other individual? Again, I'm not saying you have to subscribe to the world's points of view. You have to subscribe to one point of view or another. But you need to make sure your posts and the things you post are not threatening to anybody that is within your sphere of influence. I think the Vic Caning situation at WVU should have been a lesson to a lot of people. A player spoke up about some language and rhetoric that were the personal private views of one individual. And Kaney is entitled to have those views. He's entitled to think and believe and feel however he wants to believe. His problem was, and he overstepped when, he tried to impart those on people who did not share his beliefs and did not share his system of beliefs. It's not your job as a coach to impart your beliefs on life and on politics and on worldviews to other people. If they ask and you offer your opinions, do so, but do so in a respectful fashion, understanding that people have different opinions and views than yourself. He wasn't able to do that. Safety Kerry Martin, a Capital graduate, brought those issues to Neil Brown and took those to Shane Lyons. They conducted an internal review. Caning was suspended, then fired because of the climate that he was having in team meetings. 
a player basically said, I don't feel safe with my position coach. I don't feel comfortable with my position coach. And here's why. And I know that 14 to 18 year olds might not have the formed worldviews of a college student. Oftentimes they're still forming those worldviews and they might not speak up. But at the same time, they're starting to ask questions. Why do you feel that way? Why should I feel this way? How do I feel? How does this issue affect me? How does this issue affect my family? And there are many issues that may be discussed completely differently in some of those homes than you would discuss them on either your social media account or you would discuss them around your team. But either way, when you put opinions out there on controversial issues, you need to ask yourself, who might see this? Who would this affect? Who would this potentially injure or threaten? And that goes for all coaches and administrators. You're entitled to your own private views, but maybe be careful how you share those and the effect that that might have. Also, during the Facebook Live preseason preview series, one thing that I found out crystal clear is that COVID is being handled differently wherever you go. And I urge you to be patient this year, wherever that is for you. Some places I visited, precautions were being taken. Coaches and players were wearing masks. Sanitizing equipment was within sight. People were distanced as best as possible. Plans were being made to distance people, and guidelines were being followed. There were other places that I went, and there were no guidelines being followed. And it was just like business as normal. If I had walked in that place, and you told me it was 2019, 2016, 2013, I would not have known the difference other than the personnel involved. And then there were some places that were really, really strict. And one place almost ran me out, to be quite honest. The athletic director was very rude to me at one particular place. I'm not going to name which place it was, but it was a place in this year's preseason preview series. And to be honest, it's going to make it hard to feel comfortable going back there. And it has nothing to do with the coach. It's a coach I like and have worked with for a very long time. But the athletic director created a climate to where I'm not going to feel all that comfortable going back anytime soon. In my opinion, I did nothing wrong in that situation. I had protection ready to go, but I still was not aware of even stricter protocols for visitors to this school, despite the fact that I had seen about a dozen of this school's players leaving practice before I got there with no masks or face coverings on. They can do whatever they want, but apparently I was in the wrong when I had a mask on just because my temperature wasn't taken at the door. It's a long story, and I don't want to get into it here. But either way, be prepared for COVID to be handled differently wherever you go. Be patient. This is an era where we all have video cameras and recording equipment in our pockets all the time. You've seen the videos where someone freaks out at a Walmart and starts screaming at people and is belligerent and rude to people. Don't be that person. Don't go into a situation and flip out on some unwitting ticket taker because you, A, don't have a facial covering, and you're probably going to have to have a facial covering this year. That needs to be with your blanket, your your seat, your sweatshirt, whatever it is. Your, whatever items you take to high school football games, masks and facial coverings need to be included in that. But ticketing is going to be an issue this year. Most schools are going to have a no ticket, no pass, no entry policy. And you have to have bought those tickets ahead of time, even if you're a parent. And in a lot of these communities, everyone knows everyone. But that's not going to matter everywhere. You're not going to be able to get in just because you're so-and-so's parent. You're going to have to have that ticket in your hand. Do what you need to do. Write a note on the bathroom mirror. Write a note by the front door of your house. Write a note in your car. Whatever it is that's going to remind you that you need that ticket or that pass to get in, you absolutely must do it this year. The person at the gate is not the person who made that decision, and they definitely don't need your ire 
And what's more, if you do flip out on them, it could be on YouTube within about five or ten minutes. Don't be that person. Don't throw that tantrum. Be prepared for the fact that this year is going to be unlike any other that we've seen. Understand that it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. And we're under some different restrictions. People are trying to go through this to keep people safe so that we can continue to play. I don't know how it's going to play out. I used to think masks and facial coverings were a political issue, unfortunately, because it should have been a political issue in the first place. Masks, social distancing, those are best practices for medical experts. They've been politicized. And again, I promised a long time ago not to make things political on this show, but I'm stating a fact. Mask wearing and social distancing and a lot of the COVID protocols that are keeping us safe were politicized. There's there's no denial of that. That's unfortunately what happened. So I used to think that the decision on whether or not to wear them for a lot of people was a political decision. And for many, it may still be. However, I am now inclined to think more than not, after going to 11 different schools for this countdown to kickoff preseason preview series, I think the lack of protocols in some places, I think the lack of mask wearing, I think the lack of distancing, is all a byproduct of the public's weariness over COVID-19. This is a public that's been dealing with this now for almost six months. American life has been upended. Our economy has been wrecked. Our norms are all over the place. You can sit down this evening as we tape this in late August, early September, and you can watch the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup finals. And it's been on since the beginning of the month. That's not a thing you're usually able to do this time of year. This weekend is the Kentucky Derby. That's not normally a Labor Day tradition. What festival or fair happened this year that that usually happens? Almost none of them. Uh, So the events, the, the sports, the things on our calendar, aside from the month and the day, that tell us what time of year it is, those didn't happen. This is a different sort of year, and it's been that way for a while, and people are getting tired of that. That's why you're not seeing the distancing. That's why people are having trouble with the masks. People are tired of being told they can't play sports or they can't do the activities they want to do when maybe there are three people in their county that have COVID and have had COVID for the last four and a half to five months. There are not a lot of active cases, and many of those active cases are in nursing homes. People are getting weary, and I don't know how this is going to work out when you've got Marshall back in session, WVU back in session, what are Mon County's numbers and Cabell County's numbers going to look like? Will those kids be adversely affected by the decisions of college students to either distance or not distance, to go to bars and parties or not go to bars and parties? That's going to have an effect. It's got to have an effect unless changes are made. And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't be made. I'm just saying this is a year with so much fluidity to it and so many things that are being handled differently from place to place, municipality to municipality from county to county and school to school. Be patient and understand that your view of COVID, someone else's view of COVID, and a third party's view of COVID is going to be completely different perhaps. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your politics, your beliefs, or even your weariness. It largely has to do with your experience with COVID, where you live, how bad it is where you live, and how bad it is where your loved ones live. So be patient and be kind to others as we start the season. And we do plan to start the season here on Seven Ranges Radio. Our games this week, V96-9 has Parkersburg South at home against University. Light Rock 93R now has St. Mary's at home against Alexander. That's a new opponent. We haven't talked about this one much. Tyler Consolidated takes on Doddridge County. And on our newest station, WVAM, PHS meets Spring Valley. That's WVAM 98.1, 107.9 in your FM dial, and AM 1450, the true oldies channel and your home for Parkersburg High School sports.
Glad to have that station in the mix. It's been in the works here for several months, especially the last month we've been busy here at our Vienna studios, getting things ready for the launch of that station. The station went live Monday morning, and the feedback's been good. If you like the oldies, you'll like this station. It's a really good mix of music. It's music you can put on and leave on in the car for a long time. Chances are good it's going to be something you like from time to time. But anyway, we have four stations in our company now. Parkersburg South on V96.9, St. Mary's on 93R, WXCR with Tyler Consolidated, and PHS on our new station, WVAM, the True Oldies Channel. One thing that I didn't do in this preseason that I usually do is compare schedules and look for games of the week and big games in the area. I didn't do that because the schedule's so fluid. Why build up a lot of hype for games that may or may not happen? Uh, We'll continue to talk about the schedule changes as they come, and we'll preview the games of the week as they come in this area in just a strange season. Bear with us. We'll try to get through it all together. My name is Eric Little. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll have another episode, another poll question. We'll talk about the news and notes. We'll run down week one of West Virginia, week two in Ohio. Much more to come next week. Thank you for listening to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.